Al-Bayan Radio presents the following lesson from Masjid Al-Azhar, Bilmo. Presented by Farhan bin Rafi' Ahmed. Assalamu alaykum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Bismillahir Rahmanir Rahim. Inna alhamdulillah nahmadu wa nasta'inu wa nasta'aghfiruh wa na'udhu billahi min shururi anfusina min sayyati amalina. Man yahdihillah falamudillalah wa man yudlil falantajida lahu waliyan murshida. Wa ashadu an la ilaha illa Allah al-ahadu al-qahhar wa ashadu anna muhammadan abduhu wa rasooluh. يا أيها الذين آمنوا اتقوا الله حق تقاته ولا تموتن إلا وأنتم مسلمون. Indeed, all praise and thanks belongs to Allah تبارك وتعالى alone. We seek His help, His assistance, and guidance in all things. He whom Allah تبارك وتعالى guides, there is none that can misguide him. And he whom Allah تبارك وتعالى leads astray, there is none that can guide him except through the will and permission of Allah تبارك وتعالى alone. And I bear witness and testify. That there is no deity worthy of worship except Allah, and that Muhammad ibn Abdullah ibn Abdul Muttalib al Hashmi al Qurashi was the final messenger and prophet sent to all of mankind. O you who believe, fear Allah, fear Allah as He deserves to be feared, and do not die except in a state of Islam, do not die except that you are Muslims. Rabbi shrahli sadri, wa yasirli amri, wahlul uqtatam min lisani yafqahu qawli. Alhamdulillah, this is lesson 15 in our reading of the tafsir of the Quran. Now, today's class is a little bit technical, just in the beginning, and then it gets easier as we go on. Just the first issue is a little bit technical with the wordings that are used in the Quran and its reference in this specific verse. So I need you to have patience with me in the beginning, and then it's chill at the end, okay? It's easy at the end. The verse that we're covering, which is, what was the last verse that we took? Alif Lam Mim. So, next verse. Uh, the next verse that we are going to take insha'Allah, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he says, This is the book whereof there is no doubt a guidance to those who are muttaqun, those who have taqwa. This is the general translation that is given in the Muhsin Khan, Taqidin Hilali translation, which we said is the best translation of the Qur'an that we have. But we're going to go a little bit deeper than what is mentioned, insha'Allah. Now the first issue is that we need to look at the first word that is used. The first word that is used in this verse, which is ذَلِكَ ذَلِكَ Now why is this an issue? Why do we have to look at this? Because it is a word that points out to something that is far away in the Arabic language. The word ذَلِكَ is a term that is used to point at something that is far away from the person who's using it. Now, in the general sense, that is what the term ذَلِكَ means and it can be translated as that. So, if I say that book, that book, it implies that it's not close. It implies that it's far away. Yes? Everyone agree? Everyone with me so far? Okay. So over here, the word that is used, ذَلِكَ, implies in its general use in the Arabic language to something that is far away, not close. The thing that is close in the Arabic language is the word that, yani, that is used to imply closeness when you're pointing to it is هذا, this. هذا, which is translated as this. 
So if I said this book, it implies proximity that is what? Close. It doesn't imply that it's something far away. Now, the answer of this issue that, يعني, because the Quran isn't far away, something that's close, right? So the answer that is found in the books of tafsir, like tafsir al-Tabari, tafsir al-Qurtubi, tafsir al-Baghawi and others, that in the Arabic language, there are times where the use of that which goes against the principle is used. So when something is far, sometimes in the Arabic language, you can use that term to imply and point towards that which is close. Okay, sometimes it happens in the Arabic language. And we can find an example of one of the Salaf who in, explained it in this way. And it is found in Sahih al-Bukhari in the chapter of Tawheed, Kitab al-Tawheed. Where Ma'mar explained this verse. And the verse it says, ذلك الكتاب. Ma'mar explained it and said, هذا الكتاب. He didn't say that book. He said this book. So this was the position of Abu Ubaidah, Ikrimah and other than them. Why is this important? Because sometimes this is used as an example by those who make ignorant claims that there are grammatical issues in the Quran. There are some people who say, in the second verse of your longest chapter, in the second chapter, the second verse is wrong. It's pointing to something that is close, but it's using the term that talks about something that's far. So that's why it's important to know this issue. Because these are the claims that have been made against the Qur'an. Now, the Qur'an does not have a single passage, a single verse that goes against the Arabic language. But rather, it is still used today as a means to preserve the rules of the Arabic language. If it wasn't for the Qur'an, the Arabic language would have evolved in such a way when nothing would have been left the same as it was. But because the Qur'an preserved the Arabic language in this way, we still have the foundations of language. So, this is something that we have to understand, that it was found in the tradition of the Arabs that they could use the term to throw away to something that is close. Now there is another opinion, to make things a bit complicated, there is another opinion that says, in fact, over here, the Qur'an is talking about something that's far away. That over here, the term dalika is actually over here, pointing at something that is far away. But rather, Imam Al-Qurtubi, rahimahullah, who died in the year, uh, la hawla wa la quwwata illa billah, he's making some random ones up now. 671 Hijri. 671 Hijri. He mentions that there are 10 different opinions of what it is referring to. Over here, ذلك الكتاب ذلك over here, it says yes, it's not so something that's close It's actually talking about something that's far But Imam Al-Qurtubi rahimahullah He says that this opinion It then goes into 10 different opinions Okay, so over here We're not going to take all 10 Because I know you guys want to go home So we'll take a few of them Okay, Bismillah Now, remember The first opinion That we took And the verse that we're taking is ذلك الكتاب لا ريب فيه Yes, this book has no doubt in it. That's the verse that we're talking about. And the first option that we have, the first opinion that we have, is that it is talking about that which is close, which is the Qur'an. Now, one of the opinions 
is that it is referring to that which Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wrote above that which is upon the throne. ذَلِكَ kitab. So, one of the first يعني, opinion that we're going to take is that it is referring to that which Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wrote above that which is above the throne. And this is a hadith that is found in both Bukhari and Muslim. A hadith that is authentic, that is found in Bukhari and Muslim, يعني, one of the strongest hadiths that you can find. And the hadith is, is that when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala completed the creation, then he wrote in his book, that is that which is with him above the throne, Inna rahmati ghalabat ghadabi. Inna rahmati ghalabat ghadabi. That indeed my mercy prevails over my wrath. My mercy prevails, is stronger than my anger. يعني, if you want to translate it in that way. So over here Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is giving you this hope. Don't be afraid only afraid of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, the rahmah, the mercy of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is immense. Is before the, what? Punishment of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, the anger of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Now, this writing here is what some of the scholars say, this is what this verse is referring to. That writing above the throne. That is what? The first opinion that we're taking from the ten. Now, another opinion is... That this verse is referring to that which was revealed in Mecca. That which was revealed in Mecca, that is what this verse is referring to. Why could this be the case? Because where was this chapter revealed? In Medina, right? So, we have this massive amount of Meccan surahs that were revealed in the time of the Prophet's life in Mecca. So, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, in this opinion, if we take this opinion, then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is saying, just because you have moved to Al-Madina, that which was revealed before, doesn't mean now it's not the Qur'an. It's still the Qur'an. Just because you did your hijrah, it is still the Qur'an. It is still the Qur'an. So they have not become null and void, and they are not يعني, in an extreme position, then it's not like that it's not part of the Qur'an anymore. No, it's still all from the Qur'an. Okay? Now another opinion is that this verse is referring to Allah al-Mahfuz, the preserved tablets, that which Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wrote everything that is, everything that is to be and everything that was in these tablets. Okay, over here, that is what some of the scholars are saying, ذلك kitab, the kitab that is with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and the preserved tablets. There is no doubt in it. Whatever is there, Whatever it says will happen is going to happen. Whether you like it or not, that, there's no doubt in it. And everything that's mentioned that says that it has happened, just because you didn't see it, just because you didn't witness it, there is no doubt about it. That is all preserved. There is no doubt in it. Now, another opinion is that it is a reference to Alif Lam Mim. That Alif Lam Mim is no doubt from the Quran. Just because... It doesn't have, it's not a word per se, it doesn't have a meaning, and you think that it makes no sense, and that it's a secret of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. No, no, no. That's from the book. That's from the Quran. There is no doubt in it. This is another opinion about this verse. Now, there are other opinions, but the strongest opinion, and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala knows best, is that it is referring to the entire Quran and means that it is. Referring to something that is close.
Imam At-Tabari, rahimahullah, who died in the year 310, mashaAllah, tabarakar rahman. He's getting slow, habibi. Still driving in from Blacktown. Now, Imam At-Tabari, rahimahullah, who died in the year 310, after the hijrah of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. He brings many narrations, many narrations from Ibn Abbas radiallahu anhuma, Mujahid, Ikrima, Suddi, Ibn Jurayj, rahimahumullah, stating the opinion of it meaning هذا القرآن, ذلك القرآن, هذا القرآن, that it means this Qur'an, okay? Referring to proximity and that it's referring to the Qur'an specifically. Now, the next part of the verse, لا ريب فيه There is no doubt in it. There's no ريب in it. ريب in the Arabic language <coughs> has various meanings. All of them are linked in one way or another. And one is shak, doubt. And another is a tuhma, which means doubt over the credibility of it. Now, the Quran, Imam Al-Qurtabi rahimahullah, he defines what the Quran is. And he says, where is there no doubt about this Qur'an? Imam Al-Qurtubi rahimahullah, he says, it is in its essence truth. La rayba there is no doubt that in its essence, the Qur'an is complete truth. And that it is revelation from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So he's going through different characteristics of the Qur'an. The first that it is what? Truth. There's no doubt that the Qur'an is what? True. The second is that it is revelation from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That it is revelation from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And the third thing that he mentions, he says that it is a sifa. That it is a characteristic from the characteristics of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Because we know that it is kalamullah, the word of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And Kalamullah is a characteristic of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Therefore, the Quran is what? A characteristic from the characteristics of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. I'm not saying this, Imam al-Qurtabi rahimahullah is. And then he says, and it is uncreated. The Quran is Kalamullah. It is from the characteristics of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So we do not say that it is created. The Quran, Imam al-Qurtabi rahimahullah says, is uncreated. And he says, even if the disbelievers are in doubt about it. This is the book that has no doubt in it. So someone can turn around and say, Oh, so many people have doubt about it. So many people doubt it. So how can you say there's no doubt? Right? This isn't about them. It's not about the people who have doubt in it. In there, there's no doubt. In there, there's no shak. In there, it is complete revelation. In there is all of it. Every single line of the Qur'an is what? A characteristic from the characteristics of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Now, continuing from the salaf, if we look at who said that there was no shak in it, there was no doubt in it, Ibn Mas'ud radiallahu anhuma, who took it from a lot of the other companions radiallahu anhum ajma'een, Ibn Abbas radiallahu anhuma, Qatada, Mujahid, Ata' Suddi, they all mention that there is no shak. La raib, la shak. There is no doubt in this Quran. There is no doubt in this Quran. And this is mentioned by Imam al Tabari rahimahullah in his tafsir. Imam al Shawkani rahimahullah, who died when? Lock it in, Yani? 
Okay, خلاص. Imam al-Shawkani rahimahullah states that it means that there is no change. La mubaddil. There is no change in it, nor can it be changed. La raib. It's not changeable. It's not interchangeable. You can't just chuck in a word here and take a word out, right? Hide something from it, put something else in. No, no, no. There's nothing that can change the words of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And he says, Raib, in its essence, what it is, is the uneasiness of the heart. The heart should not be uneasy when it comes to the Quran. Is this from Allah or not? Is it from just Kalam al Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam or not? The heart should be at complete ease. That it is all kalamullah. All from the words of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Munazzal. That it's revelation. That it is not from Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. He is not the originator of the Quran. But rather, an Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam is the one who gave us the Quran from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Okay? An Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam gave us the Quran from Jibreel alayhi sallam who was given the Quran by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Okay. Hudan للمتقين Hudan للمتقين Guidance for those who have taqwa Now Imam Al-Tabari rahimahullah He says that Al-Sha'bi rahimahullah He says that it is guidance from Al-Dalala Guidance from misguidance The Quran protects you from being misguided If you hold on to the Quran In it is a guidance that you are not misguided So it means that the first point that you were to go back to is Kalamullah, the word of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. If you have any doubt, you go back to what? Kalamullah, the Quran. Because it is the rope of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. You hold on to this and you will remain firm. So the Quran is guidance from misguidance. In, why is the Quran called Al-Furqan? Another name of the Quran, why? Because it is a criterion. It distinguishes that which is truth from that which is falsehood. Yes, Al-Quran. What is it? Al-Furqan. Another name of the Quran. Right? Which means the criterion. Through the Quran, you can weigh everything up. Through the Quran, you can weigh if something is good or if something is evil. And in the Quran is the da'wah, is the call to follow an Nabi sallallahu alayhi wasallam. So through the Quran, through the Quran, first point, the Quran, then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tells us in the Quran to follow the way of Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. And so using these two things that the Quran has approved of, then we are able to distinguish that which is evil from that which is good. That which is good from that which is evil. Everything is established. Now, Ibn Mas'ud and other companions, they say that it is nur, it is light for those who have taqwa. Hudan, over here, they described it as nur. Light from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Imam al-Qurtabi rahimahullah then goes on to al-muttaqeen and breaks it down. And he says, what is taqwa? He looks at the word taqwa. And he says, <clears throat> taqwa in the Arabic language, in the Arabic language, not in the context of the sharia, in the Arabic language, taqwa is a small amount of talking. A small amount of talking. So when someone talks less over here, that's the term that they would use, right? That was the definition of a taqwa. But in the context of the sharia, Imam al-Qurtabi rahimahullah, he says, a muttaqi, someone who has this concept of taqwa in him and acts upon it, is higher than someone who is a believer or someone who just obeys. 
He is the one. He, يعني المتقي, the one who has taqwa. He is the one who through his sincere good deeds and his sincere supplication, his dua, seeks to be protected from the punishment of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And it is taken from the word that implies to put a barrier between you and that which you dislike. So taqwa, it comes from the word that means to put a barrier between you and that which you don't like. Now, there are traditions that are found in the hadith of the Prophet ﷺ with the use of this word, where they said that we would use an Nabi ﷺ when the fighting would become heavy in jihad, we would go and be behind an Nabi ﷺ. We would use him to protect us because he was what? The first point of defense. He was the shield. So they would use an Nabi ﷺ as a point of safety and security. Now, Imam At-Tabari, rahimahullah, he mentions that Ibn Mas'ud and other companions, they say that muttaqeen over here are mu'mineen, those who have faith. Those who have faith, that is who is mentioned over here with being al-muttaqeen. He also mentions the statement of al-Kalbi, rahimahullah, and he says that they are those who refrain from the major sins. Al-Muttaqeen over here, they are those who refrain and abstain from the major sins. And it is mentioned that Al-A'mash rahimahullah also agreed with this. Qatada rahimahullah, he stated that it is connected to the next verse. That over here, Hudan lil-Muttaqeen, guidance to those who have taqwa, it is connected to the next verse. What is the next verse? The next verse is that they are those who believe in the unseen, those who establish the prayers, and give in charity from that which was provided to them. So over here it says that if you have these conditions over here, then you are part of al-muttaqeen. You are part of those who have taqwa. This was the opinion of Qatada rahimahullah, as mentioned by Imam al-Tabari rahimahullah. Ibn Abbas rahimahullah, radiallahu anhuma, he stated, that they are those who save themselves from shirk. They are those who save themselves from shirk. We, yani people accuse us, why do you guys always talk about shirk? Why do you guys always talk about shirk? Why? Why? <laughs> because Ibn Abbas radiallahu anhuma, he talked about it. And he said that this verse over here, that the Qur'an is going to be a guidance to those who have taqwa. Over here, Ibn Abbas radiallahu anhuma, as mentioned by Imam al-Tabari rahimahullah, who is seen as what? The greatest mufassir who lived. He is saying over here, that it is those who free themselves from shirk, polytheism, and those who are upon the worship of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Something important to note here very very important is they free themselves from shirk that's one they free themselves from polytheism that's يعني, one step they're upon tawheed and the second is that they are engaged in the worship of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala so over here you can have the correct creed you can be upon the correct creed but if you don't come with action then now we say you have a deficiency in your faith and for the one who abandons the prayer, for instance, then there are scholars who doubt whether you're a Muslim or not. 
There are scholars over here say that the one who abandons his prayers what has left the fold of Islam. Sheikh Fawzan, he has a, يعني, a show, right? Well, well, basically, he is part of a show. So he sits down on a chair and calls come in from all across the world. Anyone wants to call? Ahla wa Just call this number and ask a question to the Sheikh. Okay? Someone called a lady who lost her son, died. I want you all to, here's an opinion that is very, very strong, very valid. I'm not going to say the strongest or the most correct, but it is mentioned, it is the position of a lot of the Hanabila and a lot of the ulama of Najd and Qasim and other places. Okay. Lady calls and says, Sheikh, my son has died. What can I do for him now? What can I do for him? The first question he asks, did he pray? Not answering the question, oh, go do sabaqah, go build him a masjid, go do some African wells, go do Pakistan, go do Bangladesh, go, go and feed the poor. No, no, no. Did he pray? Did he pray? And then, <laughs> you watched it too? No? Khalas. So then he asks this question, and then she's like, yeah, 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 I need here and there. He's like, I'm not asking if he would go to the masjid. I'm saying, did he ever pray? And then after a bit here and there, she ended up saying, no. He was not of those who established the prayer, barely prayed. And then the Sheikh is on the opinion that if you miss the prayer, even out of laziness, you leave the fold of Islam. So he said, you are not even allowed to make dua for him. Because he is now a disbeliever. And he is not to be buried with the believers. He is not to be buried with the believers. He has died as a kafir. This is specifically with the prayer. Not with any sin. Not with any يعني, major sin. Specifically with the prayer. Because there are ahadith that are very dangerous. And Nabi wasallam said, that if it was up to me, I wanted to burn down the houses. Of those who did not come to pray Fajr with us. We ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for his protection, Ya Rab. Over here, Ibn Abbas is saying those who free themselves from shirk. But what? They are upon the worship of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So there are some people who are very strong. We have the truth, we have the haqq. You don't see them praying abadan. You don't see them, يعني, some of them might not even fast. Why? We have Tawheed. So we don't have to do anything else. We ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for his forgiveness, Ya Rab. Now, Imam At-Tabari rahimahullah, he mentions. He says, the best of that which has been mentioned regarding who they are, who are Al-Muttaqeen, is, this is Imam Tabari rahimahullah stating, who are these people? He says they are those who protect themselves from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala through avoiding that which Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has prohibited. This is the first thing. They protect themselves from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala through avoiding that which Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has prohibited. The second that he mentions is they avoid sinning against Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. The third is they are those who upon that which Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala established upon them from that which is obligatory. They are upon those 
they are those who are upon that which Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala established upon them from that which is obligatory. Imam al-Shawkani rahimahullah, he narrates that which is attributed to Abu Huraira and other companions of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam like Umar radiallahu an and others when they were asked about taqwa. Mat taqwa, what's taqwa? And the replying that all of these companions is narrated to have been what? Have you ever traversed upon a path? Have you ever walked upon a path that had thorns by it? That had thorns on its on the sides? Have you ever gone through a path that was filled on the sides with thorns? And they replied, <coughs> yes. So then they were asked, how did you go upon that path? And they replied by taking extreme caution. And they said, this is what taqwa is. A modern example is if imagine a glass was to fall and you got shards of glass everywhere. Glass is everywhere. How would you walk upon those tiles or whatever it is? You tippy-toe, make sure that nothing touches you. A small little thing of glass can cause you great, great immense of pain. Right? So over here, you walk upon this path that has this broken glass with extreme caution. That is taqwa. That you are afraid to fall into that which is haram, that which Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala dislikes, and you want to create a barrier between that which is between you and the haram. Ibn Umar, rahimahullah, radiallahu anhumah, he said that taqwa is that you do not see yourself as being better than anyone else. Ibn Umar, radiallahu anhumah, he said taqwa is that you do not see yourself as being better than anyone else. Umar bin Abdul Aziz, rahimahullah, he stated that taqwa is that you do that which Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has made obligatory and avoid that which he prohibited. Now the scholars of tafsir like Imam al-Baghawi, rahimahullah, who died in the year 516, have stated that this is an honor. This is a sharaf. This is an honor that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gives this glad tidings to this specific amount of people. This is a sharaf for them. This is an honor for them. That Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says that the Quran is a guidance for them. Right? It's an honor for them. Imam al-Qurtabi rahimahullah, he says after narrating all of the various traditions regarding taqwa and its meanings, he says in reality, taqwa itself is an umbrella term. Taqwa itself gathers inside of it all of the goodness. Who said this? Just saying if you're like, you're fried. Imam al-Qurtabi rahimahullah, he says, after narrating all the opinions regarding taqwa, he says that in reality the term taqwa is an umbrella term. That in it, it gathers all of the goodness. All of the goodness. And it is the command of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala upon those who came before and those who come after. Yani it has always been that which is commanded, that people have taqwa to enjoin in all of the goodness. We ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for his forgiveness. We ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for its acceptance. Barakallahu feekum wa sallallahu ala nabina Muhammad wa ala alihi wa sahbihi wa sallam wa jazakumullahu khayran wa assalamu alaykum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. This program was presented by Al-Bayan Radio, the voice of Ahl-Sunnah wal-Jama'ah.